Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Locker Room. I'm your host, Tommy Tellerino, and alongside me today is my amazing co-host, the fantasy football guru himself, Jordan Navarro. Jordan, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Tommy. It's it's great to be back. Um, we got a little busy, you know. We, we've we've come back, and then we've left, and we've come back. You know, we're pretty much Brock Lesnar at this point. Like that's we're, yeah, right? you're not wrong. <laughs> but uh, we're back. Hopefully, this will be a little bit more consistent now. I finally, you know, I got moved in and settled in on campus at my my new university, and you're back home for a little bit, and you're about to move back here soon, so. Yeah, well, we just need some consistency. That's all. New year, new consistency. Yeah. So it'll be all right. We'll get things going. We'll get the ball rolling, and uh, we'll be back in full business. Just like Jordan, we'll send out the memo. We're back. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's all we need. But um, while we were gone, I think for three weeks, I think our last one was week 15, uh, the playoffs are set now. Things are heating up. And we got three games on Sunday, two Saturday, one Monday. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of this Monday night playoff game. I think this is weird. Hold on, hold on. I got to get this off my chest. All right. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. Yeah. So Monday night we got Tampa Bay versus Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Primetime, Monday night game, playoffs, huge. Tom Brady has earned that. Okay, I understand why they put Tom Brady on Monday night. Uh, I also understand why they put Dallas on Monday night. Okay? But Tommy, the Eagles got a bye for being the first seed. Yes. Okay. Why is it that the 49ers get the second seed and we have to play a short week? We have to play on Saturday. But Dallas and Tampa get to play on Monday. And Tampa has been bad this year. And I mean, I'm yeah, Dallas is 12 and five or whatever, but they're not the two seed. We're the two seed. So why are we not playing on Monday night? Put some night? respect on the name. Yeah. Why are we not playing on Monday night? Why do we have to play a short week and we're the two seed? I don't think there should be any Monday night game. I'm going to be honest. I'm, it I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. If there wasn't. Because what happens now? So like, say if, if Tampa or Dallas, either of them win, do they play Saturday? Because that's not really fair. No, sh- no shot. Yeah. So how how's that going to work? And you think Tom Brady's a, uh, he he generates a lot of views, at least for the NFL. Dallas also creates a lot of views for football. Yeah, I mean you could have this game at Wednesday at yeah eleven a.m. and people are going to call out of work to watch it. So like, why does I it just, have to be on Monday? Yeah. I I know you want to get ESPN involved in uh in the broadcast. You know, there's probably con contract agreements with that. But like, why can't you do it on Saturday night? Move one of the Saturday games to one, the other one four, the other one eight. Just like how it's set up on Sunday. They've been doing this blueprint for how many years now, and they're changing it up. I don't like it. Uh, I think they're it's not weird. even and they're not even giving an advantage. No. To the two seed, the team that probably should put a uh, team that's going to have a short week anyway. We're having to play on Saturday. It's a little sus. It little is sus. sus. Very sus. But um, we'll talk about those games. Uh, the first one is four thirty on Fox. 
oh, San Francisco 49ers. They are hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And then eight fifteen. I can't wait for this game. We have Jacksonville versus the LA Chargers. People, we're going to talk about them in our takeaway and passing a little bit. We told you. I'm the number one Trevor Lawrence fan on the planet, and I didn't like him in Clemson. But I am. I am now. Tommy can can attest. I I said this in in the beginning of the season. I said, the prince who was promised, Dougie P and Ronnie Bass, Sunshine, T-Law, Thor, I told y'all, he, he, Dougie P and Trevor Lawrence run the AFC South. Their year had a schedule. No one thought they were going to win this year. It was the Colts division. It was the Titans division. I told you. I told you. Watch out for Ronnie Bass. Watch out for Sunshine. Dougie P's going to have him ripping that ball. And what they do, they made the playoffs. Matter of fact, they're hosting a playoff game. That's, I mean, the Khan family is running a football business better than a wrestling business. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. Um, and then we move on to Sunday, 1 o'clock. Buffalo hosting Miami. Uh, divisional rivalry game right there. Uh, we'll get into that more, but don't expect much. 4.30, Minnesota <laughs> versus the New York Giants. Man, uh, the first one was a thriller. Hopefully the second one is. But it's primetime Kirk Cousins, so you never know. And then 8.15, Cincinnati hosting Baltimore. Back-to-back weeks. There's no coin flip in this one. Cincinnati is at home. Uh, is Lamar going to play? We'll find out. And then, like we said, Monday night we have Tampa Bay hosting Dallas at 8.15. I think should be a good game, uh, even though past couple weeks both teams have been lackluster. But we'll get in some to some week eighteen key takeaways. And the first one I want to talk about, actually, Jordan, is uh, I want to talk about Brock Purdy a little bit. I want to I want to get the hype going for you a little bit. Get your spirits uplifted after talking about this this bamboozlement of a short week. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Founded that. So Brock Purdy has played just under six games this year. Uh, he's six and zero. Oh. He's played like five and about three quarters, so not six full games. Uh, his passer rating in these five starts: one thirty four, one seventeen, one fourteen, ninety five, one forty one. Since December first, this is a top five stat for QBRs for quarterbacks. How how's this going to translate into the playoffs, though, you think? You think you can keep it up? Well, listen. I want to say all things are possible through God, so write that down. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, uh, on, on, a seri- on a serious note, um, this is the best quarterback play the 49ers have gotten in Kyle Shan- Shanahan's tenure. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback. I'm not. I, I, I think him and Jimmy Garoppolo are probably neck, neck and neck, but we haven't seen Brock Purdy in big games, although Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have a playoff game that I would consider a good performance. Uh, the Super Bowl run, I mean, we took the ball out of his hands. But he has some big games and big moments in his 49ers career that Brock Purdy hasn't matched yet. 
this system, all the credit needs to go to Kyle Shanahan. Now, Brock Purdy has to make the throws and, you know, not be complete trash, which he hasn't been. So he deserves credit for doing that and preparing himself. But Tommy, I mean, if me and you were below average quarterbacks, let's say Trent Dilfer, for example. Bo Nix. We both had Trent Dilfer skill, okay? We could play in this system. It's the most quarterback-friendly offense in the NFL. I mean, think of at every level. Yeah, oh, you got pressure in your face? There's Christian McCaffrey for a three-yard dump off. Oh, he took it 50 yards to the house? Oh, crazy. That's amazing. Oh, you, you're going to hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey? Oh, he popped six yards a carry. Elijah Mitchell, six yards a carry. You have Trent Williams at left tackle. George Kittle at, at tight end. He gets yards after the catch. Debo, Brandon Ayuk. I mean... You don't have to make very hard throws in this offense. You're not asked to do a whole lot other than distribute the ball like a point guard. So Kyle Shanahan's done it, done it amazingly. And that offense has helped Jimmy Garoppolo succeed, and it's helped Brock Purdy be amazing. Brock Purdy is the middle ground between what Trey Lance can be and what Jimmy Garoppolo is. He is an accurate distributor of the football, and he can extend plays with his legs. And I'm actually shocked at how good he is at getting out of the pocket and avoiding pressure, to be honest with you. He does it very well. He's very quick in his 10-yard splits. He gets out, has a very quick first step, and he gets rid of the ball for the most part. But we haven't really seen him, Tommy. We haven't seen him be in a shootout. The only time we saw that was against the Raiders. And Jared Stidham lit us up. The 49ers definitely looked past the Raiders in that game. They completely ignored him, and they came out and surprised him. And Brock played well in the second half of that game and led them to a win, but it's the Raiders. It's a difference in getting in the type of game like that against uh, even the Seahawks, but, you know, Dallas, Philly, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, like any of the teams in the playoffs, especially if you get to the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, or, you know, Buffalo, or Cincinnati. It's different. Those teams can actually stop people, and they can also score at will. So... I think we're going to see this is the most important stretch of games Brock Purdy will ever play. I hope he plays well, but I'm going to limit expectations. I think he's going to be an average quarterback in the playoffs, maybe even slightly below average. But it doesn't take away from what he's done in the regular season. He's been excellent. He's been excellent. But if he can do it, you know, Trey Lance with all his athleticism – like I said, the middle ground between what Jimmy is and what Trey can be, the ceiling for Trey is through the roof. So, I don't know. But yeah, he's I'm, played well. I'm, I'm glad he brought that up because I feel if if the season ended today, there might be a quarterback battle between uh, Lance and uh, Purdy for next year just because they've invested so much in Lance. I mean, yeah. they traded up for a third pick in the draft to get him. And like you said, he has athletic ability. Probably only a couple other quarterbacks in the league have more athletic ability than him when he's healthy. But the decision-making and the mental game might not be there yet because we talked about this off-camera. He doesn't have a lot of reps. He's going into his third year. How many games? He has a lot of arm strength. Yeah, Yeah, He hasn't played. He didn't play his senior year of college. Yeah, Um, He lost that due to COVID. And then you come into the draft, and he didn't get any reps his first year outside of, what, two games? 
two and a half, if you can even call it that. Something like Coming that. Coming into this year, he played a game, not even a game and a half, like a game and a quarter. Like, he has a handful of snaps in the last yeah. three years. Now you're coming off a serious ankle injury, and you've got this kid who you drafted at 262, Mr. Irrelevant, who's dirt cheap, and he's playing lights out football, and he's doing what you need him to do. Here's the thing when, you know, I've heard a lot of people in the media say, well, it's Brock Purdy, you know, and they try to use his draft position as a means to to discount what he's done. He hasn't made this offense better. This isn't... I mean, slightly because he extends plays. That helps us. That's that's it. What he's doing with his arm and his touch is exactly what they asked Jimmy to do. The difference is he, he it's not one boneheaded interception a game. It's not – now you see when the offense, when, we, when it's instant pressure and a lot of these sacks that Brock could take, he's not taking, Jimmy would take them. Stalls out our offense. That's why we've been better. But Brock Purdy's not some otherworldly quarterback. He's not head and shoulders above Jimmy Garoppolo. He's probably not head and shoulders above Trey Lance. I don't think Trey Lance is a bad quarterback. Like he's, he would have to be terrible. He would have to be downright horrendous to not be able to do what Brock Purdy does. Yeah, I mean the the tape is out there of how good he can be. I think it's just. Brock Purdy, I think, has deserved some um, consideration. I feel like you can't just overlook him. And one thing I want to bring up, he's gotten George Kittle more involved, I feel like, as he's gotten the offense. But we talked about um, his passer rating. Most of the games he started, Debo was not playing. And in the playoffs, he's going to have Debo back. Exactly. I think think that's going to be huge. All the weapons. And he, he does add a different element because we open up the playbook more because his first read is downfield. Yeah, I mean, you watch Jimmy Garoppolo once we got Christian McCaffrey. As soon as McCaffrey was out of his route coming out of the backfield, he was going to him. Jimmy is, I'm not going to say he's afraid. He just doesn't like to take shots downfield. He wants to play to his strength, middle of the field, short game. It's fine. It just limits our offense. But people have seen what a 49ers offense can be now with a guy who's willing to take shots downfield, willing to complete passes, you know, kind of deep towards outside the numbers. And Brock is okay at that. He's not elite at that. He's okay at that. And he's decent in the middle of the field and completes a high percentage of his passes. He's been better than Jimmy Garoppolo this season. And I think moving forward, he probably will be the better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo because of his ability to extend plays. He's dangerous. But again, I mean, this we're not talking about next year. I keep bringing up Trey, but we're not talking about next year. We're just talking about this year. I think... It's going to be a different beast going into the playoffs because he he didn't have a whole lot go wrong for him in the regular season. So we'll see how he does against really you know much better competition. And if he plays well and we you know somehow went to the Super Bowl with him, then we we really got a question on your hands if he's going to be the starter if Trey Lance is going to be the starter. It'll be interesting to see. But we talked about the two seed, in the NFC. Let's talk about the one seed a little bit. Philadelphia Eagles. It was up in the air for about three weeks. Are they going to hold on? And they do. Hurts comes back that last week. They win the NFC East, and they take control of the NFC. How important is this for Philly? Because Hurts has been banged up. How important is this week rest for him and as a team as a whole? It's massive because, you know, 
the first week he was out, Gardner Minshew came in. They played Dallas tough. They probably should have beat Dallas, but, you know, it is what it is. And people are like, oh, Gardner Minshew, this roster isn't any different with Gardner Minshew and yada, 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 and they'll win next week against the Saints. They played the Saints, and they got throttled. It, it was not pretty. The team didn't look good. So it was clear Jalen Hurts was very valuable to this team, and I think people kind of threw it to the side after the Dallas game because Minshew played as well as he did, but we saw it in the Saints game. This This offense is not the same without him. So it's massive. It gets him another week of rest. You know, he didn't look amazing in that Giants game. He did look rusty, but he also just kind of looked off a little bit. It's another week of rest. It's, you know, allows them to get healthy. So, you know, a bye can never be understated. It's it's amazing. And they get to host, host throughout the playoffs. And we know how Philly is. And we know it's a tough place to play. So it was absolutely massive for them to get this, this bye and get the one seat. Gets rowdy there. I, I don't uh, envy most of the teams going there though. But with Jalen Hurts in this offense, it becomes way more dynamic, and I think that's what you saw when he's not in the lineup. The ability to use his legs, extend a play, the be able, the ability to just call a run play for himself works out great for this Philly offense, and I think that's what they need. If he loses that dynamicness. I think it's going to be tough for them a couple games in the playoffs just because it's a little easier to keep him in the pocket compared to when he's able to extend the play. But this Philly defense is something that we didn't expect going into last offseason. They made a lot of key moves. They added uh, Robert Quinn, uh, Bradbury, uh, Gardner, all these guys have come up pretty big for this Philly defense. I think this defense has been pretty impressive from where it once was last season. Absolutely, especially against the pass. The thing that's going to decide whether I think Philly is <clears throat> ultimately better than – because my top three teams in the NFC is Philly, the Niners, and then honestly, I, I can't bet against the GOAT, so I'm going to – I'm going to say Tampa Bay. I, I believe that Dallas is very good, but we'll, we'll talk about them in a bit. But those are my top three. The thing that's going to decide whether Philly is head and shoulders above San Fran specifically is if they can stop the run because Philly has been getting ran on a little bit. And you have to keep the physicality up, especially against the Niners and in, in Tampa Bay. If they play with physicality, they come out with aggression, they stop the run, they take pride in stopping the run and, and tackling. You know, we already know about the secondary. The secondary is amazing. So if they do that, I think Philly's great. I think they're golden. Because like you said, the offense is dynamic. They can hit you in a lot of different ways. Like you said, Jalen Hurts extending plays, running it. You know, <clears throat> everyone talks about Justin Fields this year and Lamar Jackson. Like, hey, Jalen Hurts is no slouch. You turn your back to him and start playing man coverage, he can go for a 150, 200 rushing yard game. Like, it's, it's very easy for him to do that. Like, don't – he's really that guy. He's He might be the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. He's just developed his passing to where he hasn't needed to do that a whole lot, but he still does. And then you have Miles Sanders and their three-headed committee of running backs that they got and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Like, yeah, that offense is legit. If they can stop the run, I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else. 
Listen, he's mobile. He's shifty out there. But there's one more um, takeaway that I want to talk about for the NFC uh, before we give our picks. Uh, This 12-win Cowboys, the past month, or maybe a little bit more, they do not look like what they did uh, during the middle of the season. Uh, What's been the difference for them compared to when they were so hot? Uh, Offense. Um, Well, defense as well. Micah Parsons isn't rushing the passer as much. Um, not that he's not trying. People are just keying in, keying in on him now, and the defense hasn't been as electric and isn't carrying the team as much as they were. But <clears throat> in my opinion, I think the defense has played solid enough throughout the second half of the season to where they shouldn't have lost some of the games they lost or been in the games that they were in. This comes down to Dak. It's as simple as that. I don't understand their offense, Tommy, because sometimes they run the ball and they're getting six yards of carry and one series they'll throw the ball five straight plays. They're trying to – they want Dak to be a franchise guy because they paid him to be that. Listen, man, he's a game manager. That's what he is. He's a step above a game manager. If you're running the ball effectively, don't stop. Don't stop until they make you stop. If if, if Dak – threw the ball five times, and they won, who cares? You won the game. Dak Prescott has to play good football for them to win because he is the reason they lose these games, and he's the reason that these teams keep it close because he turns the ball over too much. It's that simple. I think he just reached uh, 15 Interceptions since... Uh, and he missed five games. Yeah. He leads the league in interceptions and he missed five games. And I, I'm glad you brought up the run game because for how many years now? I mean, you can go back to the 90s. That That's their identity, a strong run game. It always has been. And you have you have Tony Pollard, who's over a 1,000-yard rusher this year, I believe. Not by much, though. And then you got Zeke, who I want to say finished just under 900. You you hit teams with both those guys, it's hard to stop the whole game because they're going to get tired out really quick with these two running backs. And and not to mention, you don't have the weapons in the pass game to be throwing the ball as much as they do. Yeah, You have C.D. Lamb. That's it. No one is scared of Noah Brown. He's okay. He's fine. He's just like, he's like, he's okay. He's not, he's not a wide receiver too on most teams. And then you've got who else? James Washington? Wait, didn't they release no, him? He's on. He just got picked up by the Giants, I think, today. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you've got T. Y. Hilton, the corpse of him. Like, yeah. Then your tight ends, like Dalton Schultz, he's okay. Jack, Jake Ferguson, all right. Peyton Hendershot, like all those guys are average tight ends. Your strength is through your run game. Use it. Use it. Teams aren't going to let Dak beat them. Matter of fact, Dak's not going to make himself win. He's probably going to turn the ball over two or three times. So, yes, you need the defense to step up. You need them to be elite. I'm not worried about the defense. They'll show up. If they don't, we're going to lose anyway. It's that simple. So I got to have faith that Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and all those guys show up. They get the ball. They turn You know, they play their – they play a very specific style of defense. It's a Dan Quinn-style defense. They're going to give up big plays, but they're going to get those plays back on the defensive side of the ball. So I just have to believe in that. 
on offense, if I'm Kellen Moore, I'm scheming up against Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay comes out and they don't want to stop the run, we're running it all day. All day. We, we won't pass unless we have to. Give them the Jimmy G treatment. Exactly. It That's, works for the 49ers. Why can't it work with the Cowboys? It, it's like you said. They paid him $40 million. I mean, they're acting like this offense still has Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, and it doesn't. If you had both of those guys still, I could see why you're doing a little bit more of an air raid. But they don't. And, and it's fine. And it's fine to do the play action stuff and roll in the pocket. And I get that. I'm fine with that. I don't want Dak dropping back ever. Like at very minimal. Do I want him purely dropping back and having to go through reads? We got to design plays. I mean, he can. He's just mediocre at it. Uh, we just got to stop thinking Dak Prescott is on a playing on the level playing field as some of these other guys. He's a fine quarterback. Okay. But he's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So you have to go into every game, if you're a Cowboy, if you're Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, with the, with the ideal that we're at a disadvantage at quarterback. We have to coach around that. That's not saying you lack confidence in Dak Prescott. That's just saying we have to game plan around his strengths. Play action. Short, quick game. His strength is not dropping back like Peyton Manning and reading the defense. It's not. It's how you get picks. I mean, you see him throw a deep ball, and he's thrown into double coverage, and it's 10 yards away from a receiver most throws. Yep. I, a lot of people think Kellen Moore has done a great job with Dallas. Uh, I think he's a terrible play caller. I really do. Even uh, some of the run plays that they call I don't think are that great. I Like you said – they need to rely on the run game. This is a beatable Tampa team. Very Tampa beatable. Tampa can't run the ball. Yeah. Tampa, Tampa can't run the, ball. run the ball all year. And they're very streaky. You know, some games they'll light it up offensively. I mean, we saw that in um, Carolina. And then they kind of put a dud up against Atlanta. Yeah. So and it's and like. One game. One game yeah. we've seen Mike Evans actually do something on the field. One. <laughs> and, I mean, you got the corpse of Julio. And Chris Godwin's there, who's. Still solid, but Leonard Fournette is not what he was last couple seasons. So this Dallas defense has been the bright spot for this team. I mean, the Washington game, they probably could have gave up 50 points, but they had so many stops on their side of the field or where Washington ended up missing a field goal, where this defense gives them a lot more faith, I feel like, when it comes as a team overall. But I we got to move on to some AFC takeaways, uh, for at least for playoff teams. Uh, we'll stick with teams that haven't impressed, and that's Miami. Uh, Miami got buried by San Francisco, and they haven't been seen I'm, since. I've, I've never seen something like it. I Tua mean, was – I mean, he had already had a couple of rough games before that, but he was kind of shaking it off. And in the second half of that San Francisco game, it, it – it, it completely fell off the off the tracks, and he has he recovered for a half against Buffalo, a half. Not and even that completely fell apart. Yeah, not like the quarter. <laughs> I've never seen anything One like drive. it. <laughs> and, and you know, Tua, he's going to be out. Um, I hope he gets healthy. I hope he you know continues to have a career, and he comes back next year, and they're better. They're not winning this game. They're not going to impress. They're starting Skylar Thompson at quarterback. If Buffalo loses this game, the entire coaching staff 
and the entire front office will be fired. So they're not going to lose it. And it's most Skyler out from Miami. Yeah, you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They can take any pass to the house. I understand that. But it's Skyler Thompson. And Tyreek Hill is, I, I think, still questionable. Uh, he left the Jets game with an ankle injury, I believe. So we'll see if he even plays. So I, I just want to bring up one thing about how, you know, Tua is a very accurate passer. Uh, after San Fran, I didn't see a lot of accuracy out of him. I saw him throw a interception to the Green Bay Packers where there were more defenders in the area than there was an offensive player. I, I didn't know that was possible. Um, he's Tim Tebow. I mean, ever he, since uh, he met San Francisco. I, I don't know what I happened, don't... but Miami – relied on the big plays and this offense performing very well, and it just hasn't. I think that's where they have hit the decline this season. I won't I won't give Tua too much uh, crap today because he's still dealing with a concussion. He is, you know, he is. So I hope he gets healthy. But, yeah, Miami, it's an unfortunate way to end the year with how hot they were in the beginning of the season, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And then we'll talk about um, one of the another wild card team, the Baltimore Ravens. You know they've missed Lamar Jackson for almost six games now, and I think it's still a question if he suits up this week. I don't know if it's definite uh, yet. Uh, from what I just saw on Twitter, um, let me go see if I can find the post again. Insider uh, Navarro going to work right now. So today's practice. He was not spotted at practice today, at least for the open media portion of it. Um, Mm. That doesn't mean he doesn't practice today. He could still practice, but more likely than not, he didn't. And Tyler Huntley did not throw a pass during Mm. the media viewing portion. So Anthony Brown will probably take the snaps today. Um, Yeah, uh, Adam Schefter tweeted 21 minutes ago, he did miss his full practice indeed. We talked about this a little bit a couple days ago. Um, they have no choice but to re-sign Lamar Jackson, and I think they've made it abundantly clear. Um, this was supposed to be a one to three week injury. It is. It not. looked like he could come back. Come back the week after he injured it. He thirty eight days. He's about to miss his sixth straight game, and it's a playoff game against a division rival on Sunday Night Football. If that doesn't scream, give me my money, I don't know what does. I'm not blaming Lamar Jackson. I think he I, I think he does need to play. If he can play, he needs to play this game because the playoffs, he's, I know Lamar loves his teammates. He's not a me, me, me guy, okay? let's. He's not. He's a team player. But what has Baltimore done for him? Nothing. Really. And they haven't shown they didn't want to give him his money. Yeah. Now, we can negotiate and go back and forth and all that in good faith. That's fine. we got to come to some understanding at some point. Give me some security. Tell me, hey, after the season, first thing we're doing, we're going to talk talk to you. Right after our season ends, we're talking to you. We're going to get something done within the first week or something like that. You know, if we don't want to discuss in the middle of the season, they haven't done it. So 
So I don't blame him for missing. And you, you hear John Harbaugh and you hear the, the coaches. They're like, I, I don't know. I, I hope Lamar plays. But, like, they're not trying to step on any toes. They don't want to make him mad or call him out because they know they need him. They, they so he's, desperately need him. I mean. So he's he's effectively bent the Baltimore Ravens over. And he's. <laughs> listen, it is what it is. And. Uh, He's saying, listen, you need me, and I need my money. Now, maybe the injury is worse, and maybe he only wants to play when he's fully healthy, and I completely understand that because you only get one chance at a big payday in the NFL. So he doesn't want to ruin that for himself. He does need to play if he can, but I don't blame him if he doesn't, if he's not fully healthy. I I think it's a little bit of both right now, uh, him giving it to Baltimore. and Maybe he's not 100%, but very close to 100%. But if Lamar's not here next season, uh, tear everything down. Uh, clean house, start that rebuild, because there's nothing else. It's like what we said with uh, the Giants last year. Take take the Lamar Jackson painting down. Uh, the Joe Flacco one's already in the box. Put the Lamar Jackson one in the box. I mean, it's over. But uh, the whole year has been up and down with the Ravens, I feel like. You know, they I believe they're a 10-win team, but a lot of the games they lost, they were leading going into the fourth quarter. So I, it's just been a very tricky team. You know, they've never been that dominant team in the AFC. But you take away Lamar with that, it's like, okay, what do we have to worry about? The defense isn't that good. This offense isn't that great. So what's... What's stopping us from putting up a, a fifty point deficit or a fifty point win? Well, first and foremost, Greg Roman needs to be fired into the sun. I I don't like Greg Roman. I saw what a Greg Roman offense was firsthand when I was twelve years old. Uh, after the two thousand twelve Super Bowl, it was terrible. It was awful. It's the worst period of my my entire football fandom. We went from Jim Harbaugh and our players playing with dignity and being great. To Jim Tomsula. That's when I learned what depression was at 13 years old. Um, Greg Roman's terrible. His only he's only he's only good at designing run plays. He's a terrible, terrible offensive coordinator when it comes to pass game. And we see that. And this this run game, just like in San Fran, but not to the same extent, is designed about around our mobile quarterback. Like Colin Kaepernick, although Lamar is a much better passer than, than Colin Kaepernick ever was. And when we don't have that quarterback, everything falls apart. And Baltimore, they've invested everything into Lamar's legs and what he brings to the run game. They don't have him. They look like a college team. I mean, they might as well be running the Air, the, the Air Force offense. Go out there and run triple option. They'd probably be better. They, they, can they run did the ball. run the Heisman they option can, a couple years ago. Listen, they can, they can do... RB power all day. They can do that all day. Get your four yards to carry, five yards to carry. Oh, J.K. Dobbins rips off a 25-yarder. Oh, we kick a 50-yard field goal. They, they do that all day. They don't even have to the pass a 50-yard field goal of Tucker, too. The, yeah, I mean, the pass game is horrendous. It's Greg Roman's fault. It's on him. I'm not going to blame John Harbaugh because I think John Harbaugh is more of a defensive guy anyway. I think he's got that team playing well. I think the guys play, with, play for John Harbaugh. Greg Roman needs to be fired. It's as simple as that. Do you think, though, that if, say, you are going to tear things down, do you get rid of Harbaugh, too, just for some change? 
You know, because he hasn't had success those, it's, in since It's one what? of those things where he's a good coach, and it'd be tough to find somebody who's as respected as him and as, has accomplished as much as him. But I guess if you want to change the culture and change the way people view your team and change everything, then I guess. But it would be more of like a figurative firing than it would be practical because I think he's a good coach. I mean, I think the offense needs to be reworked. I think it's a tight. I think it's a Titan situation. You saw the Titans; they fired Todd Downing and their, their offensive coordinator, and the clown show that that offense was. I think Baltimore needs to do the same thing. The run game is fine. It's it's damn near elite. It doesn't matter. The pass game is horrendous, and you have no weapons outside of Mark Andrews. I get the Rashad Bateman's hurt, but even with Rashad Bateman, that's not enough. You have Joe Burrow in your division. You have Mike Tomlin who refuses to lose games. He's nine and eight again with Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I don't know. Like, come on now. Listen, they they get rid of one Harbaugh. Maybe they bring in another. I mean, you never know. No, um, I was going to say Cleveland, but there's nothing good going on in Cleveland, no. so we won't concern them. Cle- the Cleveland's Cleveland. I mean. There's there's no reason to talk about them. I mean, it's just it's just pain all all year round for them. I, I mean, the Cavs are doing good now, so they're they're sad. But let's talk a little bit about some of these teams that didn't make the playoffs. Cause this will probably be the last time we talk about them for this NFL season. Um, we'll start with uh, I think almost everyone's favorite, the nine and eight Lions. I mean. They let me issue my apology. Now, let me issue my apology. Dan Campbell. You, you know, the Lions I, I lost again. faith. <laughs> I lost faith midseason. I didn't, I didn't, I stopped believing in the book of Campbell. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I was over it. I was over the whole rah, rah, I'll die for you. We're in the trenches. I need results. They got results. They, they got the what results. If, first off, Ben Johnson is a madman. Any offensive coordinator that is willing to run hook and ladders, I want him. He needs a head coaching job immediately, and I, I want y'all to know he's a great offensive coordinator. Great. Sean McVay had to get rid of Jared Goff because he couldn't do anything with him. They made Jared Goff look elite this season at, at points, which I guess Sean McVay did too. But he played a lot. I think he, that was the best season he's ever played in the NFL. Uh, and it came with Ben Johnson and the Detroit Lions. Great offensive line. I love them. Big, big fellas. They get in there, they eat. Love them. DeAndre Swift. I don't know what we're doing with him, but sometimes he, he's electric, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But DeAndre Swift's good. Jamal Williams. I don't yes. He needs to give two touchdowns back and give Barry Sanders his record back. But, hey, he's a culture guy. He runs hard, and I love him. He's a great personality. Amon Ra, Jamison Williams. All the mediocre tight ends you want. They're cooking Dan up Campbell's something. offense, it worked. It was amazing. It was a phenomenal season. I'm glad Detroit fans have hope. I hope they keep keep this up and it's not just a one-off season. Um, I hope they keep Ben Johnson. I hope they keep building that offense. So I give them credit. But there's still work to do. There's a lot of work to do on that defense. Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson needs some is teammates. a dog. Yeah. Yes, but he he needs something. I think the offense is fine, to be honest with you. I think 
Maybe they upgrade a tight end. Maybe they get one more receiver. But for the most part, I think the offense going coming out of the season should be the same offense they have next year. I think that's a playoff offense. I think you can win games with that offense. We got to help the defense. All of our assets need to be put into the defensive side of the ball. Has to. And they got an early pick for it, so I'm I'm excited. I think this is this is going to be a great team next year. Uh, but don't sleep on that wide receiver room of uh, Brown, uh, Williams, and DJ Chark. Okay, they don't need a receiver. <laughs> they need a tight end. All right, give, give my man DJ Chark some props. Um, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. That's a two-headed monster. Uh, Swift wasn't the healthiest this season, but. Yeah, but even when he was, they don't really believe. I don't know what's going on with DeAndre Swift. I know he's a good football player. I think a lot of his stuff is mental. I'm going to be yeah. honest. I think a He'll lot figure of it, it is out. Just... Fresh start next season. Yeah. But I yeah. just want to talk about you know the, the play call to, to ice the game, basically. Um, it was like a wide receiver screen, or it might have been a tight end screen, where he pitches it back. To, I forget who caught the ball. Uh Gutsy, and it describes Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions, I feel like. I don't know if you the saw old hook and ladders. Yeah. yeah, old hook and ladders. And then, um, I mean, what one NFC North team is on the rise, but is the other one on the decline, though, in Green Bay? Eight and nine season. I mean, we knew coming in that it wasn't going to be the Green Bay teams we've seen before. But I don't know about you. I didn't expect a losing record, though especially with Aaron Rodgers under center. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with their receivers were always injured, and <clears throat> A-Rod wasn't able to build chemistry with them. Uh, but I'm not a big believer in Matt LaFleur, to be honest. I think he's a mediocre head coach. Um, the defense, again, I mean, they keep getting all this talent, and they always end up middle of the road. They were good against the pass late once they got Jair Alexander back and everything, but still can't stop the run. Still middle of the pack in most stuff. This is time. It's time. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, he can come back next year. He cannot. I prefer that he leave or retire, but it's time. We have to, we're not going anywhere. Like it would be dumb to keep doing this. Let's just rebuild now and get a head start on it. We got two, I think two good rookie wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. I like them. Let's just get it over with, you know? Let's rip the Band-Aid off. Stop it's trying time. to plug holes. Yep. Let's tear it down. And do we see Rodgers in another uh, uniform, or is this it? You saw him and I Randall Cobb walk I'd, off? I don't think he'll he'll play for another team, unless maybe San Fran or one of the West Coast teams wants to come get him. But I think, or maybe Tennessee, but I think he'll retire. He'll either retire or he'll come back. It's going to be interesting, though, just because of just how great he was as a quarterback. Um, Green Bay's been sitting on Jordan Love for three years now, so we'll see where they go. Um, move over to some AFC teams that um, we probably won't be talking about again. Uh, the Texans did a... Great thing last Sunday of winning their second or third game of the year. Uh, they messed up. They they messed up big time because now Chicago owns the number one pick, which Houston probably just lost their shot at Bryce Young. 
Well, I'm going to be honest. I think this is what happened. I think Lovey Smith knew he was out. Um, I don't know why they signed Lovey Smith. I don't know if it was to appease the Rooney Rule fanatics or whatever. Uh, if it was, that's terrible. It's terrible ethics, and people need to be held accountable. But Lovey Smith, look. The team, he was set up to fail. Oh, 100%. If it was honestly, they told him, you need to win four or five games for us to keep you. Like, if it was something like that, that's dumb. That, the roster was nothing. Damian Pierce was the is the only offensive player, realistically, that you're going to keep. Maybe Nico, uh, Nico Collins and, you know, John Mechie, but, you know, he was out or whatever. Need a new quarterback. Need to revamp the offensive line. Need more weapons outside. Need a whole new defense, pretty much. This team was built to tank. He tanked. He did the best he could. And I think they told him he was out. I think they told him, you're out. We don't want you. You know, you were your, you were our last choice to hire last year, and we did it for whatever X reason. You're out. And I think he went into that game and coached like his, his hair was on fire, the hair that he doesn't have, and uh, went out there and, and won that game to ruin their chances at the number one pick because he knew he wasn't going to take it anyway. He wasn't going to be the one to take that pick. I, I think it's a, it was a dumb hire to begin with just because, like you said, uh, the ethics behind it. But we know where their ethic lies with uh, Deshaun Watson being the quarterback for the team before. Um, I just, you know, Lovey Smith is a solid coach. He always has been. He, he hasn't always been great. I don't think he's ever been really terrible. But like you said, they set him up for failure. What were you expecting? You know what I mean? Like, what What was the expectations for this team? Probably not a lot, hopefully. I mean, because Davis Mills is the general for tank commanding. I mean... Five-star. Five-star <laughs> general. Other than that, like you said, with Pierce and Mechie, I, I don't even know about Collins. I mean... I don't even know if you want to keep him. Get rid of everything. There is no defense to begin with. It was a, a bunch of traffic cones basically out there for the defense all year. I, Whatever coach they go with next, they need to give him time. I, I Probably a five-year, five to three-year window, I'd say. Yeah, I would say three years. Um Three years, and you need to be making like substantial progress. Like yeah. we need like seven, eight win seasons, and within three years. Um, but you come in and you keep doing this one year thing. I mean, they've done this twice now. Give a guy one year, fire him. We got to stop that. That should be looked into as an investigation by the league. In my eyes, you can't turn around a football team in one year. You can't. It's Not unless it's a roster that's already formed. Houston, I mean, come on now. That's not formed at all. I mean, when when's the last year it was formed? 2019? Maybe. But, uh, like, you know, like yeah. you got the Giants. The Giants had enough talent where they got a good coach and they were able to system around a very limited quarterback and won games, made the playoffs. The, uh, Houston wishes they had the Giants' talent. They wish. There, There is no talent in Houston. I... I don't even know. Because of all this, the coaching changes, they're probably not going to get a lot of free agents, I feel like. 
even if um, they do form a team, because why would you want to play for an organization like that? And you keep and you keep bringing in new regimes, and those yeah. guys have feelings of how you fill out a roster and how you win football games, and then the guys that are on the roster, the guys that just got drafted, they get moved, and then you're always in a constant state of building your foundation. So you got to give coaches time, and I think Lovey Smith was set up to fail, like you said. Yeah. Uh, we'll. We'll talk about um, Houston a little bit more for maybe potential head coaches that could go there. Uh, the last, the last team I want to talk about is uh, is New England Patriots. Um, eight and nine season. It's been forty six months since their last playoff win. This is very rare for uh, this New England team. As an outside perspective. Where do we go from here if you're New England? You fire Matt Patricia into the sun. Yes. Um, you get rid of okay, I'm not crazy. half of Bill Belichick's fire, uh, the power, and you tell him, hey, Bill, if you're coming back, that's fine. I need an offensive coordinator. Can we? Can you meet me halfway and give me one? I don't ever want to see Matt Patricia calling plays ever again. Joshua Daniels isn't coming back because the Raiders can't afford to fire him. So you're going to have to go get somebody to call offensive plays, unless you want to do it yourself and put your job on the line, which you don't. So get me an offensive coordinator, please. That was 75% of the issue this year. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I've seen a lot of of hatred towards Mac on social media. It's not him, at least yet. Give him some more time. Second year, sophomore slump happens to a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. He had no offensive line almost all year. Isaiah Wynn and uh, Trent Brown were traffic cones. It was um, it was awful. I mean, the security was terrible for him in the pocket. They don't have playmakers in the wide receiver room. Devonta Parker, Nelson Aguilar, I don't care who it is. They're not wide receiver ones. Uh, Thornton looked solid as a second-round rookie. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, uh, he missed the preseason meeting and barely saw the field. That was probably your most dynamic receiver, and you barely used him. This running back room, uh, Stevenson and Harris, they're both good. But one thing I saw from this team compared to all all the years they were great, there was a lack of discipline. I mean... They were penalized a lot in some of these games, and when the mat, when the games became the biggest moment for them, they they literally fumbled it away. They lateraled it behind them away. It it's very un Bill Belichick esque. It's very yes. unpatriots like, but <clears throat> this goes back to the off season. This season was set up like this. Yeah, like think about it. We brought Joe Judge back, great special teams coach. And Matt Patricia, who's fine being a defensive coordinator, you know, doing something for the defense. Neither of them have ever, ever been offensive coordinators. Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. Doesn't call offensive plays. He's a good defensive guy. I'll give him that. But uh, offense so you, should never. You, you should point never. the finger at Matt. He just had Josh McDaniels. Okay, yeah. first season they they worked okay together. They didn't get any time because you know McDaniels head coach now. Then you go into a second season, and you're pretty much telling him, hey, you don't have an offensive coordinator. We're going to bring in this defensive guy or a special teams guy, 
and let him call plays. That he's not Tom Brady. No, he's not Peyton Manning. We're talking about a guy that's still developing. He's still trying to find his footing in the NFL. Not to mention the whole Bailey Zappi thing and how people turned on him there as well. It was very toxic for Mac this year. I'll be honest. I think you need to give him more time, like you said, but I think 75% of the issue was Matt Patricia and not not him himself, the fact that we put him in a position to call offensive plays. Terrible. Terrible idea. I don't know why it was ever an idea. Two things I want to see from this team going to the off or in the offseason. Get a real offensive coordinator. They're saying Bill O'Brien uh, is likely to be interviewed for the job. I'd be fine with that because it's a step up from Matt Patricia, but that everything's a step up from Matt Patricia. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is another one who's been thrown around there. I'm 50-50 on it because, you know, I, I'm not a huge Cliff Kingsbury guy. I mean, I think the only reason why he got in the NFL was because of Patrick Mahomes. Before Mahomes blew up, he was supposed to be an offensive coordinator for UFC uh, before he took the job in Arizona. So, um, but the major thing I want to see, I I need you to go out, trade for a big-time receiver for Mac, Because he hasn't had one since he's been there. Give this guy at least one wide receiver one. Or get him some serviceable wide receivers. Why is yeah. Nelson Aguilar? Why am I counting on him? He's uh, it's a gadget player, barely. Devontae Parker's best years are behind him. Give me, give me a D Hopper. Go get me a yeah. even an Alan Lazard, someone who can just yeah. run down the field and catch the ball. They don't have to be elite. Like if we can swing for D Hop or someone like that, amazing. Please do it. If not, fill the wide receiver room out with Alan Lazards. With guys that are just okay. They don't do anything special. They're just okay, but at least they hold on to the ball. That And that, the other thing, teach Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson how to hold on to the ball. That's it. Defense was great. I, defense was solid all year. Matthew Judon was a superstar for the defense. There's still going to be some work in progress there on that side, but Bill Belichick coaching a defense is – is probably going to work out nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the wild card matchups and head coaches, J.J. Uh, Watt officially retired. He said uh, this is going to be his last season. Probably one of the greatest defensive players of the past decade. Uh, I'm not going to read off his stats because there's a lot of them, but the accolades he's – had is amazing for a guy who he went into college at first as a tight end and he said I'm not going to get it done at tight end I'm going to switch over to D end that was probably the best decision of his life I mean he has first been ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. first ballot 2028 he's up for it I'm I just what's, what's your favorite J.J. Watt moment since he's been in the league uh, what was it? The 2014 season, he almost won the MVP, or 20? It was one of. I think he won back to back Defensive Player of the Years, didn't he? It was either 2013 or 2014, I think. The season he had five touchdowns. Yeah, uh, it's my favorite JJ Watt season because he was the Houston Texans. Um, 
he did a lot for the city. He got got into the got into the red zone. And listen, like you said, he's a tight end, and you can see it. Go watch the film. He head topped a couple people. He listen, DJ Wallace. He listen, great athlete. Um, great character guy. He's a great human being. He's a great leader. Everywhere he's been, I still wish he would have signed with Pittsburgh instead of Arizona. I wouldn't played with his brother. I his brothers because Derek Watson on the team as well, but. Um, amazing career, outstanding human, and you know, wish him the best in retirement. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of players like him. I mean, he was generational talent. Um, I don't think words can describe how great he was, to be honest. We're, I think uh, a lot of these players from our childhood might be hanging him up in the offseason. Um, I think there's a couple questions. Bobby Wagner... Uh, Kels, uh, Clayus Campbell. I mean, a lot of these guys are, is it it for them? You don't never know. I think, um, you'll be interesting to see this off season, but let's talk about some of these head coaching jobs. Uh, we said earlier, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, he's gone in Arizona and he signed an extension this off season and it, it did not look good that first year. I think they knew. He just wasn't getting through to the players. Players didn't really like him, and so they moved on. He finished the season with, I want to say, four wins, 13 losses. This this was his fourth season in Arizona, and I think this was the right move by the Cardinals. Um. Yeah. I... Cliff Kingsbury is he's a product of the Sean McVay craze and the Kyle Shanahan craze and I think it's unfortunate for him but I'm going to be honest I think his best bet is to go back to the college game either get a head coaching job there there would be colleges lined up to give you a head coaching job or get an offensive coordinator job maybe in the NFL if you can or even you know take the Bill O'Brien route Go to Alabama, go to a big school like that, be the offensive coordinator there, and then come back. I don't think this is his last time we'll see Cliff Kingsbury in the NFL. I think he's a good offensive coach. I think he's innovative. I think he can run a good offense. Him and Kyler Murray didn't mesh well, I do not believe. And I think he needs to learn how to coach pros and not college kids. And, you know, I think that's going to take time. It's not the last we'll see of him, but... On the Cardinal side, given that their GM is probably going to um, leave, I think he already has left. I think it's a simple answer to what you're looking for. Kyler Murray, we're stuck with him. We've given him his money. We're not going to upgrade from him. We believe in him. If we, you know, even if we don't, it is what it is. We have him. Go get me a coach. Have Kyler put his input in or whatever. Get me the coach that's going to work best with Kyler Murray because he's our best chance to win. If we're going to trade D-Hop and do a mini rebuild this first year, whatever, but we have to continue to try to win with Kyler Murray. We have to maximize Kyler Murray. Which is totally possible. I mean, we've seen Kyler Murray can be great. He just has to build off a couple things. Um, where What kind of coach do you think the Cardinals bring in, though. 
has to be an offensive guy and it has to be someone innovative. Um, and they, I think they need somebody with more intensity. Cliff Kingsbury was very laid back and you could see it with his teams. They were very sloppy, um, came out flat a lot of the times. They need to up the intensity. They need someone who's a little bit more hands-on, but they have to be offensive-driven. Um, I don't think they'll give an interview to Jim Harbaugh. I think they should. I don't think they will. And I don't think Sean Payton will pick Arizona over a team like Denver or, you know, if the Chargers flame out and they fire Staley. Yeah, he wouldn't pick them over the Chargers either. So an offensive guy with more intensity would be the best bet for them. I think uh, if you pair someone with Kyler Murray where they do mesh well, I think you could see a lot of bright things in Arizona. The defense, I think, is still far away. I mean, you got to bring in a solid defensive coordinator and build up something because there's really no identity on that defense. Outside of Buda Baker, everyone else is kind of average, I'd say. Who? I mean, Isaiah Simmons shows flashes, but what is he? Is he a linebacker or a corner? So it'll be interesting to see. Um, we talked about Lovey Smith. Uh, Houston, we talked about him a little bit. But what type of head coach do you see them bringing in? I don't know. Um, you know, Jalen Petrie, Damian Pierce, they, they did an okay job. They have $47 million in cap space and about 11 picks, so it's not an unattractive job by any stretch of the imagination. They have to get a good coach. I don't know who. I don't have any idea. Like That's a team where the coach that's going to come in is going to have complete control or needs to have complete control to meld that team into whatever he wants because it's not like the Jets when Robert Sala came in where a lot of the talent was on the defensive side of the ball, so they went and got a defensive guy to maximize that, and that bring, brought them to relevancy quicker than you know if they would have brought in an offensive guy and had to rebuild an entire offense. It's a me. Uh, talent on both sides of the ball is about equal. Um, the defense probably has a little bit more, probably a little bit more ready to compete sooner, so maybe you bring in a defensive guy. But that offense is so bad. So bad. Um, so I think it's up in the air. But they have to. the next coach, they have to give time. They have to give him some trust and give him a long leash to build that team. They're, they're going to need it. I mean, you... Like we said, you can't do a rebuild overnight unless you have an identity, I feel like. And I think with with the way the AFC South could go, build up that groundwork for the offense first. I think that's their best bet. Um, Denver fired their head coach not even after this season, midseason. Sean Payton has been linked to them a lot. Do you think it's very possible he ends up there, or do you think it's more possible uh, Chargers? From what we've heard, uh, Denver will spare no cost. They want to win. They want to be relevant. They want to prove this Russell Wilson investment was good. If they're willing to give the Saints the trade package to get Sean Payton and sign him, and he doesn't turn it down, Sean Payton will be the Denver Broncos head coach. You think that if they don't, that's the best bet for Denver? Yes, I think Sean Payton is the best head coach on the market. Um, we've seen what he can do, and I think he could re- revitalize Drew Brees' career. Or not Drew, <laughs> Russell Wilson's career, sorry. Like he did with Drew Brees later in his career and kept him relevant. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's the, the best bet. I think Denver is going to be very active this offseason, and I think they will spare no cost. They have Walmart money behind them. I mean, let's say, hey. I, I know personally about that Walmart money. Pockets are very and deep. That Walmart money does wonders. I'll, I'll let you know that. But um, this Denver team, it there's a foundation there. I mean, absolutely. The defense, I think, still has. I know they traded uh, Bradley Chubb, but they still have some star players there with uh, Simmons and Randy Gregory. The offensive side, you have Javante Williams. I know he's coming off the injury, but I think he'll still be a solid back. you got the wide receiver room, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. I think those two are a good one-two combo. Maybe go get yourself a third guy, or I, more importantly, I think a tight end. Uh, but I think Russell Wilson, yes, he had a down year, but I'm not going to count him out just yet for bouncing back. I think it's very possible he bounces back. So... I think Sean Payton going in there for Russell Wilson is probably the best bet for him because if he can do what he did with Drew Brees, I think he can do with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, I think, has a little bit more arm talent than Drew Brees, and I think the mental game, they're about the same. So I think it could be a very good outcome for both Payton and the Broncos. Um, A weird team, the Colts, I mean... I'm not gonna lie. Going into this year, this was my sleeper team, and they everyone should sleep on them still. Uh, I, where do you go from here if you're them? Uh, they haven't fired Jeff Saturday yet. I don't know why. Why is he? Why? Why is he the head coach still? I I think it's known that the, I, there is no more Jeff Saturday. I. Hasn't been announced. Jeff Saturday said he has staff hires in mind. Um, if Jeff Saturday is the head coach next year, that team will be awful. Like you said, I think it's known. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vacancy, but I'm worried that Jeff Saturday will just somehow... Jim Mercy will brainwash himself into giving Jeff Saturday a long-term job. I don't think he will, but I hope. I mean, I hope not. Um, I think you have to bring in a defensive coach there. Um, I think a great one would be uh, the Bills' defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. I think he should get a, a head coaching job, or D'Amico Ryan's from the 49ers. Bring one of those guys in, get that defense whipped back into shape like it was, and. Use Jonathan Taylor in that offensive line. Hopefully, it's better next year. And you, you know, you trade up in the draft and get a quarterback. Uh, the Colts aren't far off from being good. That's the issue. Realistically, if, you know, Alex Pierce. I think he's pretty decent. Jelani Woods is an okay tight end. I think he has a lot of talent. And you have Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor with a decent offensive line that should be getting better next year. The offense is okay outside of the quarterback position, and the defense. It's not as bad as they showed this year. They're much better than that. Got to get a head coach in there, like Leslie Frazier or D'Amico Ryans, and you got to trade up and get a quarterback. Go Absolutely imperative. Have to. Do not bring in Derek Carr or another. Like, don't. We got to figure out a long term solution at the quarterback position. I'm glad you brought that up because they've had bridge quarterbacks basically since Andrew Luck retired. 
They can't do it. Yep. The best one was Philip Rivers, and he had a, a solid year with them. Uh, was a possession away from bringing them to, I believe, the divisional round in the playoffs. But other than that, I mean, Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Matt Ryan, they just, they're not the answer. They need to go draft a quarterback, like you said. And if you are going to go with the bridge quarterback route, trade for, see what the Packers want for Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers comes back. See, get somebody that might have a little bit of potential left that needs to be unlocked other than we're going to go get, I don't know, the next, yeah, the corpse of Tom Brady. Yeah. Or, they, someone who's not on their last leg. Yes. And I think uh, there's one more uh, team. The Carolina Panthers, you know, they fired Rule early in the season. I want to say it's like week five or six. They look decent at times. You know, this team, we, they traded almost everybody, but they kept a couple players. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is linked to Carolina. You think he takes this job or he stays at Michigan? Well, I don't think he'll take Carolina's job. Um, I'll go ahead and let you know. Jim Codwell, uh, former Colts and Lions coach, he did interview for this job uh, Monday. Steve Wilkes is set to interview uh, two. He was set to interview Tuesday. Uh, they have a request out for Ken Dorsey, who's the offensive coordinator for Buffalo. They have a request out for Ben Johnson, uh, offensive coordinator for Detroit. Uh, Shane Steichen from Philly and Mike Kafka from the Giants, all offensive coordinators. Seems very simple to me where they want to go. Offensive side of the ball. Steve Wilkes is a defensive guy. Uh, they have, the players have said they want Steve at head coach. I don't think it's a good decision, but I understand why the players want it. They want some continuity and they don't want to have to restart. And I understand that. If I had it my way, Ken Dorsey would be, or Jim Harbaugh would be the head coach for Carolina. I think they're the two best candidates for this job. I don't think Harbaugh will go there, but you have to figure out the quarterback position. They're kind of like the Colts. You got to figure it out. Um, I actually don't think Carolina's a bad spot to land because I think the defense is pretty good. I think it'll get better next year as well. I think you just got to figure out the offense. And if you bring in an offensive coordinator and you – get them a quarterback to work with and mold. I don't think the offense would be that terrible. I think DJ Moore is so underutilized. And, you know, TMJ, uh, Terrence Marshall Jr., and I think they have some weapons. And a surprisingly emerging offensive line that people aren't giving enough credit. I think um, they're in a good position. I feel like if they bring in a couple key assets like QB, go out and get a QB you can build off of, not trade for a Sam Darnold or a Baker Mayfield like they have in the past. I think they're kind of like the Colts, and they have to bring in someone they want to build home talent with. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that's all the coaches who have been fired now. Uh, any other coaches you think that will probably be gone this season? Uh, I won't read too much into it. The one that I, I think everyone is thinking about is Sean McVay, and if I think it'd be a genius thing for him to retire, to be honest. Um, retire, be an analyst for the next three or four seasons, get paid a lot of money, then come back on a not-rebuilding team or a team that's close to competing. 
uh, I think that's the route he will go, to be honest. But other than that, you know, it. who knows? A lot of it will change after the playoffs, maybe. We'll, we'll see a lot of these guys, a lot of the coordinators on playoff teams get their interviews, and we might even see a guy like Mike McCarthy or Brandon Staley fired, so... We'll see. Only time will tell. But we'll get to our super wild card picks. Um, we'll start off first game, 49ers Seahawks. I'm taking it's away. hard to beat a team. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Uh, the 49ers have a long history of losing to Seattle. Um, Pete Carroll, the, the gum-chewing maniac he is, I'm never counting him out. I'm scared. Uh, yeah, I'm very scared of Pete Carroll and what that Seattle team can do, but we should handle them. This is a, this is a team we should be, we have beat twice already this year. The second game wasn't very close. The first game really wasn't that close. So I think San Francisco will pull it off, but I think Seattle's going to make it closer than a lot of people think, because I think they just, it's hard to beat a team three times, especially a team that's coached as well as Seattle is. I I think San Francisco's defense is probably going to dominate this game. I think they got the blueprint. They'll just they'll go with what works. I think you're going to see uh, Seattle put a little bit more pressure on Purdy. You know that first game they kind of dominated the whole game, San Fran, with Purdy in. So I think it'll be interesting. But I'm going San Fran just because also they're way more complete team. You know, they they have weapons on both sides of the ball that can change the game. So, I think it's going to be a fun wild card game, but I'm going San Fran. And then, we'll move to Saturday night, which I also think is going to be a fun game. Chargers versus the Jaguars. This is the most 50-50 game on the split. It shouldn't be. The Chargers have infinitely more talent than Jacksonville. The issue is Brandon Staley versus Doug Peterson. They're not even in the same field of play. Brandon Saley is a bottom three head coach in the NFL. He is a terrible decision maker. Awful. Awful decision maker. He holds Justin Herbert and that entire offense back, and he's a defensive guy, and they have all that talent on the defense, and they're still trash. I'm going to take Jacksonville to win this game. I love Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. I I think their offense is good enough with the weapons they've got, and I think Trevor Lawrence has made Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and those guys better. Doug Peterson, obviously, as well with his scheme. Defensively, they have no business stopping the Chargers, but like I said, Brandon Staley's a terrible decision maker. I think the Chargers are going to beat themselves in this game, to be honest. Dougie P do wonders down there in the South. Um I think, you know, last week was basically a playoff game for Jacksonville. It was do or die, and they won when it mattered most. I think if this gets into a really close game, I'm giving the edge to Jacksonville just based off of head coach, like you said. I think Dougie P will cook up something on the offensive end. Chargers probably are not going to answer. I... I def I, like I could see it going both ways, but I I just think based off of head coaching, I gotta go Jacksonville. 
And then we move on to Sunday. Uh, first game, 1 o'clock, Bills-Dolphins. Bills. Bills, yeah. uh, It's Kyler Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it Miami was, has no... If it was Tua, I'd give him If it was Tua, chance. it'd be... Yeah, I'd give him... I think it'd be closer to 50-50, but it's Kyler Thompson. Yeah. I, I mean, this is just a warm-up game for Buffalo, really, I feel like. And then 4.30, uh, Minnesota, New York. Minnesota has skated in all these close games. They've gone by the, the, the skin of their teeth every single time. This is the week it runs out. The Giants should have beat them in the regular season. Uh, I think they are going to beat them in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I think the Giants will win this. It'll shock the world that the Giants won a playoff game in their first year of Brand, uh, Brian Dayball. But Minnesota is just too inconsistent. The offense is too prone to being terrible. And Kirk Cousins is just, he can get you there, but he can't win you games. So give me the Giants. Uh, I'm going Minnesota here. I um, Both these teams have won games that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, Minnesota's won a lot more. I, I want to say they're like 12-0 and 0 when it's uh, when they won possession games in the fourth quarter. Yep. I think there's still a little bit magic left in there. I think they, they can get one more game-winning drive, especially it's at home. If it was in New York, I'd say it goes the other way. But I think the home field advantage could play a factor here for Minnesota. Uh, I'm just interested to see, because Giants, I think, play well against teams they play a second time. Uh, They played Dallas well a second time. They played Washington well a second time. They played Philly better the second time. I mean, Philly, it it was kind of a blowout at times, but they fought back. They showed some life. So I think it's going to be a really good game. And then to finish off Saturday night, Bengals, Ravens. Uh, I don't think Lamar is going to play, so I'm going to give it to Cincinnati. If Lamar plays, this game is kind of close, I think. Um, but I don't think Lamar is going to play, so Cincinnati. I'm I'm taking Cincinnati as well. Uh, Joe Burrow against Baltimore just lights him up every time. Uh, he's gone. He does. He's said in interviews before. He doesn't have a hatred for Baltimore. But he he takes these games a little bit more serious than other ones, and add the playoffs on top of that. A lot of weapons on the Cincinnati offense: uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon has started to look a little bit like himself compared to last year. I the defense is solid still, but I just think there's too much playmakers for Baltimore, even with Lamar. I think this. I don't want to say they win by blowout, but I think it could be in dominant fashion. And then we finish it off Monday night, Tampa Bay and Dallas. Tampa Bay. Uh, Dallas will beat themselves. Dak Prescott will show up and be Dak Prescott. I have no doubt about it. And I'm not. I think the game is going to be close. And in a close game, I'd rather have Tom Brady than Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm. I'm also taking Brady. Uh, you, you, you hammered home my points. 
Dallas will beat Dallas, and Tom Brady in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, I I don't I will never bet against that. I've seen yep. too many great things with that, even if the team is below five hundred. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Um I think we hit everything today. Anything else you want to add before we, we sign off? No, man. We had a chock-full episode. Yeah, I mean, we were gone for three weeks, so. Uh, and there was a lot, of, a lot of NFL news, I felt like, in that last week. And then you had the the head coaches' firings on top of that. So um, that's going to do it for us. We'll probably be back next week, probably uh, same day. We'll give you their divisional thoughts and maybe some – takeaways from the wild card weekend that's going to do it for us today uh hope you guys enjoyed we'll see you guys next time yep peace